0: Okay, friends, so today's guest, I don't even know how to put it into words, how much it means to me what she is doing. My guest today is Nancy Alcorn, and her heart for Teen Moms is so amazing, and you know, if you know me at all, um, you'll know that that is a huge passion of mine. I love um, working with Teen Moms, I love our weekly support group that I have, um, just at our church in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I love being able to tell a young mom that you matter, that you can do amazing things, that God isn't through with you, and when we help a mom, we are truly helping her child too. Um, And so today's guest, uh, we're going to be talking about her new book, Treatment or Transformation, 13 Real Stories You Can't Argue with a Changed Life, but The truth is that we touch briefly on the book, but really, I just love hearing about how Nancy started Mercy Ministries, which is now called Mercy Multiplied. It's a free-of-charge, biblically-based residential program for troubled young women ages 13 to 22. Um, There are multiplications All around the U.S. and at these locations, young women, they don't have to be pregnant, but of course my heart's mostly, not mostly, but for the teen mom. But young women can go there. They can get support. They can get encouragement. They can be told that you matter. But most of all, they can hear about the truth of God and what God is doing now. She founded Mercy Multiplied in 1983. And it continues today, and I could just imagine that, you know, she shares 13 stories in her book. I'm sure she could share 1,300 stories of her book, in her book, about lives that have been changed and have been transformed. Um, And I just want you to know that just as I was listening and talking with Nancy, my heart was just so full of thankfulness um, for someone like her. Now, I know so many times it is hard to kind of know how to help a young mom. I mean, we all have that desire. We want to. Um, and so in the show notes today, um, which you can check out when you're done listening to the podcast, of course I have links to everything that Nancy has done, but there's also a PDF of, um, 14 valuable ways to help teen moms. It is something that you can just have, you can print up, you can pray over. Maybe you take it to your church because you know we're, our church is in inner city Little Rock, and so I know that there's lots of moms that are around there. There's a lot of um, generational poverty. There's you know generations that have really seen the cycle of teen mom after teen mom. But wherever you are, um, there are young women in your neighborhood, in your community that maybe feel like there is no hope. And so um, I just pray that you'll print that up and use that to think about how you can reach out to a young mom. And then also um, when you do check out Mercy Multiplied, think about how you can support Nancy's ministry too. Now, she's not asking me to do this or say this. She just wanted to share her story and what God's done. But I have such a passion for this. that I know that each of us, when we can step out, will make a difference. So I just know you're going to love this conversation that I have with Nancy Alcorn. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, today, friends, on Walk It Out, I have someone who has a heart like mine, a heart for young women, a heart for transformation, a heart for telling young women that they can do amazing things and that God can use them in wonderful ways. So I want to welcome Nancy Alcorn to my show, and she is the founder of Mercy Multiplied, formerly known as Mercy Ministries.
1: So welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Tricia. It's so great to be with you. I've admired your work for a long time. What well, your your heart is amazing.
0: Oh, I've been I've been admiring you for a long time, doing all you're doing, and um, just what you do to help and encourage and inspire young women. But for those who may um, not be as familiar with you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um. Well, a lot of people want to know what motivated me to start Mercy, so I'll start there. Uh, okay. I actually, even before I graduated from college, I had the opportunity to work in the government in the state of Tennessee. And my first career job was I was athletic director at a girls correctional facility for juvenile delinquent girls. And they were sent by juvenile court judges because they were too young to go to prison. So basically ages 13 to 17. And There were probably 300 girls at that facility at any one given period of time. And because of separation of church and state, we were told we couldn't share Christ. And so I meet all these amazing young women who had been through horrific issues in their childhoods. So it wasn't hard to understand why they would end up, you know, where they were, breaking the law and ended up locked up. But I could also see their potential, Tricia, and it was just so as a believer who knew what the answer was, I was told because of separation of church and state that I could not share Christ. So I spent five years in that job, and it was extremely frustrating because the girls would would do their year's time. and they were from all over the state of Tennessee. So wh- whatever neighborhood or city they were from, they would go right back to the same mm-hmm. unhealthy environments, you know, whether it's dysfunctional families or you know, pimps, drug dealers, gang members they'd go back to those same neighborhoods and those same circles of influence and get drawn right back into the same thing. And I knew that the only person that the only way that they could really become a new person was being a new creation in Christ. But we, as I said, we were told we can't share that. And I I would share as much as I could and plant seeds here and there, but you know, they go back to the same neighborhoods and uh, some of them got murdered by pimps. Some of them Mm. died from drug overdoses some of them were killed in street gang fights. A lot of them passed the age of 18 and ended up in the women's prison because they never got the help they needed. Right. And the worst thing of all was some of them committed suicide before their 18th birthday because they felt like they had no hope. And it just was so heart wrenching. And five years of that. And then I got recruited by the Department of Children's Services in Nashville to work in the emergency child protective services unit where we would be on call our unit 24 hours a day. And we'd have to go out with the police in the middle of the night and see all the horrific things happening to young women uh, and young boys as well. But, but I think we're focusing on women today, but seeing the horrific sexual abuse, the violence inside of families, children being left alone in the middle of the night. So basically I had, the authority and those of us that worked in that unit to remove children on the spot and put them in emergency uh, foster care. And many times there were perpetrators there, you know, maybe a mom who's out prostituting herself and she leaves her little girl with a, a, a man who's a friend and he ends up sexually the mm-hmm. Little girl, just terrific stories like that. And I did that for three years. And I I was like having nightmares about the things that I was seeing because I I heard about this stuff in the news, but to see it with my own eyes, it was just very painful and very hard to, to process emotionally. And I would have nightmares about it. I ended up doing that for three years, so a total of eight years working for the government. And I was kind of angry at God. And one day I'm like, God, why do you have me here? I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to see this stuff. It's like breaking my heart. I can't deal with it. And I was wrestling with what, wanting to kill the people that were hurting the little kids, which is a normal, I think, heart. Right. But, but yet at the same time, we're told to have compassion for all people. So it was just this inner struggle going on. And so I'm just like, I just flat out tell God, I just said, I am mad at you. Like, why do you have me here? And I'm just kind of screaming at him. And I got real quiet. And I heard that still small voice say to me, you just spent angry. You just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls. And now I'm taking you back in time and showing you the things that happened to them when they were little girls. Mm. So that you always know there's a why behind the what. And that you have a depth of compassion and understanding that you've never really known. And I was telling God, I want to go to Bible school. And he goes, no, I have you in the school of my Holy Spirit right now. And I'm showing you all the government programs that look good and sound good on paper. But the reality is, apart from Christ, there's no such thing as a transformed life. So God showed me, he said, uh, after eight years, he released me. But he he let me know at that point, I'm preparing you for something I'm going to have you do in the future. And you just stay put until i'll release you so after eight years i felt god saying it's time and i can sum those eight years up in one sentence god has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and cap is free he's called his people to do it so
0: and yeah and i think i mean i just know because we've adopted from foster care um and i had one of those moments too where i'm you know working with teen moms, and so many of them either age out of foster care or in foster care, they're teenage mothers. And I remember telling God, like, someone needs to do something to help these young women. And I don't understand why people aren't, you know, adopting more from foster care and giving them hope and giving them homes. And pretty soon we adopted four, four 14 girls from, from foster care. But it is those moments where I think God wants us to see the hard stuff of life. So we'll have compassion. Right. So we'll be willing to take those steps of faith and do hard things because it's not easy. And I know, you know, as much as we love talking about the transformation and the, the, things that god does with these young women it is hard to step into those places and to deal with them and to you know love them and serve them and sometimes they re- sometimes they reject us sometimes you know they turn around and and head back right into where they were before um but even though our hearts are broken, this is what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to be his hands and feet to these women, young women who, like you said, have experienced hard, horrible things that we can't even
1: imagine sometimes. Well you are absolutely right. And Trisha, I just want to personally thank you because as someone who used to work in the with the Department of Uh Children's Services, I just commend you and respect you guys so much for taking in these Foster children. That's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. They need. Families. It's hard.
0: <laughs> it, it is. Hard. They do. They do need families, and it is hard. My last book I just published was called "Calming Angry Kids," and it came from learning to handle anger that that I never experienced with our own biological children. Like where did this come from? How do we handle it? But once you know, we realize the things that they've gone through, of course, they're going to have hard hearts. And of course, they're going to lash out in anger because they've been hurt so many times. Wow. Um, but that doesn't stop us. Well, <laughs> it doesn't stop you, doesn't stop me from reaching out and serving them and
1: loving them. Right. I'm so glad you wrote that book because it's much needed book.
0: Hmm. So tell me about you. Have this desire to connect and to serve. What did the beginning look like, and how has God used it over the years?
1: Well, after the eight years of being released, um, you know, to move forward, I actually, while I was working for the government, simultaneously, I was volunteering at a Teen Challenge Center. So I could see a parallel of Mm -hmm. government results versus ministry results, and it was just. Astounding the difference, and all of those years were pre- with the government were preparation for me to understand, you know what my calling was. And God, so basically in 1983, I lived in Tennessee up my whole life, and the Lord, I went to I went to Louisiana, uh, Monroe, West Monroe area of Louisiana in 1982 to visit friends, and I was there for a week, and. One day I heard the Lord say, I want you to go drive around the city because I'm going to bring you here very shortly. And this is. Mm, start wow. of work. And so I did. I drove around the city and I, I could just sense that this was real, you know. So I came back to Nashville. That was October of 82. And I started praying and fasting and seeking God. And he gave me three. Th- he said, I'm going to have you start an organization. And. It's going to be free of government funding so that you have mm-hmm. full freedom to share Christ. I want you to take the young women in free of charge because they're never going to trust your heart and your motive for them. If you charge them and if you charge young women who need help, most of them, 90 something percent of them wouldn't be able to come. So he said, I want you to step out in faith and start a place where girls, girls who really want help come and they come free of charge. I want you to, Never take any government funding or any other money that restricts the full freedom to share about the only one who can heal broken hearts and set captives free. And thirdly, I want you to tithe 10% of everything that comes into your organization once you start it, because your needs will be met through your giving. If you're obedient in giving, God says, if you give, I will cause men to give back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So basically I knew God was saying, be faithful in giving and I will put you on the hearts of people to help you do what you're you're doing. So it all started in 83. I had to leave Nashville. Uh, I'm the middle kid of seven kids. I grew up on a black Angus cattle farm. I worked my way uh, through high school to be able to pay for my own college. So I've never been a lazy person. And God said, you're very self-sufficient and I've Mm -hmm. got to break that in you. And you're going to, you're going to be tempted to get a job because you're a hard worker. He said, so because of your self-sufficiency, I'm going to tell you up front: you are not to get a job. You go to Louisiana and you, you're going to learn to walk by faith and believe for your own needs before you can believe for the needs of a ministry. So, and I'm back in Nashville in the fall of 82 going, God, give me what I need and I'll go. And he goes, no, it's not like that at faith requires that you step out in faith and you go to the place that I've called you to go to, and the provision will be along the path as you follow me in obedience. So it was just its like I couldn't get my head around it, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And my own understanding was screaming at me, how could this be, you know, right? because it didn't make any sense. But faith is a substance. Hebrews 11.1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So God made it plain to me. It's not give me what I need and then I'll go. It's go and then I'll give you what you need. So that was the beginning of the journey. I left Nashville January 15th, 1983. So this is year 36 for us. And Tricia, since that time, I, I was blown away, but God just immediately began to connect me with prominent people in that city, got plugged into a local church. Got invitations to come and speak places. The newspaper there did an article about me, and that was before the days of cell phones. So we they put our landline, and somebody stepped up and gave us an office building to work out of till we got an actual residential facility going. So all of that began in 1983, and now we have multiple locations in the United States. We take girls from all 50 states. The average length of stay is six months. The age group is 13 to 32. We have international locations as well, but for the sake of this, I'll focus on what we're doing in the U.S. But we, we deal with young women with unplanned pregnancy. We also have a licensed adoption agency. We work with young girls who are addicts, who have been severely sexual, sexually abused, who have been sex trafficked, young women who have are dealing with eating disorders, uh, self-harm, suicidal Audiation, you know, whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And we built a, a second home was a 40 bed facility in Nashville, Tennessee. And then we added a three story office building. We have probably in the United States, maybe a couple of hundred staff members at, at the various locations. And uh, we have seen thousands of young women over over the years get the help they need and their lives be transformed. And because it's free of charge, they are able to trust us that we're not trying to make money off of their problem. And uh, the, the stories of the young women that have come through in the last 36 years just continue to be out there. And um, it's just exciting to see God do what only God can do. So all of our buildings, uh, we built a 40-bed facility in Sacramento, 30-bed facility in St. Louis. We're in the process of putting a home in the panhandle of Florida. All of our buildings are debt-free. So many people uh, have stepped up, uh, business leaders, foundations, individuals, churches, um, other ministries have stepped up to help support the work that we do. And so all of our buildings, like I said, are debt-free, and that enables us to raise the funds we need to provide the very best care we can provide for each and every girl who walks through the doors.
0: I love that so much. And what I love is that God said, Don't get a job, trust in me. And you know, you could look at this now and see all that's happening. And you know, it's clear that God did this, not Nancy did this. <laughs> because if you had you know, worked hard and, and raised your own um, support for yourself and got a job and did all these things, it would have been what you can do. And I think that is so important when we think about those first steps of faith. God is asking us to step out, but it takes that moment when He wants to do it Himself. He <laughs> wants us to turn to Him, trust to Him, look at Him. And I think of um, I helped start a crisis pregnancy center in 1999 in Northwest Montana. So we're celebrating 20 years. I live yeah. in Arkansas now, um, but it was three of us and we carried a cell phone and we put a number in the paper and we said, call you know for a free pregnancy test and we would meet them at a church office. Um, but the girls showed up and now it's a, a wonderful center with the medical clinic with, um, they just got a mobile medical clinic that goes around all over Montana. And it awesome. came from you know those seeds yeah those seeds of we have nothing you know we have nothing and then you could see that God says that's exactly what I want to start with you're nothing because I have everything and yeah. so I just love how immediately He just uh, rooted you and and put you in a place where there's you know He surrounded you with those that would help this ministry. And then we see the result now with these thousands of girls, um, getting help, getting love, getting support. And I know you have a new book, um, treatment or transformation. And, um, it's 13 real stories that you can't argue why you can't argue with the changed life. Um, so first of all, tell us a little bit about the book and then I would love to hear, um, one of the stories that you share.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, um, a friend of mine who also works with uh, troubled young women who have all kinds of issues uh, called me a couple of years ago and recommended that I watch the first season of the Netflix series, 13 reasons why. And and I would not recommend any young woman that's out here listening to watch that series. That's not my purpose. I actually, the series made me angry because it seemed to glorify Suicide to some degree. Right. It was very dark, and uh, but I watched the series from the standpoint of someone who works with girls who walk through our doors every day that have been through exactly what this young woman went through in this se- series that was on Netflix. But basically, uh, I'll tell the people so they don't they don't have to go hear it for themselves. But um, it was this girl was in high school, there was a lot of social media things going on that brought a lot of embarrassment to her. Athletes drugging and raping girls at parties, just horrendous things, the cyberbullying, pictures being texts to everybody in school that shows this girl in compromising Mm -hmm. positions at different times. And Bottom line, she takes her own life and she leaves behind 13 cassette tapes for basically wanting 13 individuals to take the responsibility of pushing her over the edge. And it's just very dark. And, you know, I knew the stuff that, that that she went through, this young woman went through. I knew it was real stuff. I know that it's real stuff of what our kids go through today. And yet at the same time, it made me mad because it just finished in such a dark place. And I knew that all the young people were watching it and being influenced by it. And I, so I decided, I prayed about it and I, I decided I wanted to write Um, A book. And that and I I actually wrote an author's note in the book that said, after watching this series, I was in 13 reasons why I was I was deeply impacted by the series as I quickly realized how many young women who walk through the doors of our residential homes have similar struggles as the girl featured in the series. I was inspired to share 13 stories of young women who experienced a very different outcome than the girl featured in 13 Reasons Why, simply because they chose to reach out for help. So basically, I'm on a mission to say, hey, don't end your life. There's hope. There's always hope. God can meet. He'll meet you right where you are in the depths of your despair, and he will help you work through all the pain of your past, and your life has value and you're loved unconditionally, whether you know it or not, you just need to realize that God has a plan and purpose for your life and that His plan is to prosper you, not to harm you, Jeremiah 29, 11, but to give you hope and a future.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. So share with maybe one of the stories um, that you share in the book, because I think it's so encouraging to hear that God is there and He does have a hope and a future for each one of these young people that we
1: come across with. Well, there's one. um, I'll just go with the first chapter. uh, There was a girl named Portia, beautiful, beautiful um, girl. And she, at age three, she and her mother were taking a walk near her grandmother's house, her mother's mother. And they came up on this big, huge rock on the side of the road. And her mother set her up on top of the rock. When she was three years old and she said, Portia, wait right here. I'll be right back. And her mother got in the van with somebody that Portia didn't know who it was, but some man. And she waited for hours until it got dark. It was getting really dark and she was hungry and she knew how, even at age three, how to walk to her grandmother's house because they were just real close by. But she so believed that her mother was coming back and then she suddenly realized my mom's not coming back. Mm. And she made it to her grandmother's house. Turns out her mother was a major drug addict. Her father got put in prison, so she ended up being put in the foster care system. She got a she got abused in the foster care system. And as as at age five and six, so at age six, her her grandparents said, "We want her to live with us." So she moved in there. And then from age six to about age nine she started getting sexually abused by older boy relatives that were in her family that would come in and out of the house and her grandparents didn't know what was going on. Right. So she had her first of seven suicide attempts, her first one at age nine. Oh, wow. And can you imagine a nine year old wanting to take their life? But, but she, she was, you know, just devastated by all the things that had happened to her. And she just became, she got to where she wouldn't talk to anybody. She became numb to her feelings, very depressed. And this went on during her teenage years. They they labeled her and diagnosed her and medicated her with everything, you know, like bipolar, schizophrenic, all that stuff, because that's what treatment programs do. And, right, right. But the cry of her heart was she just wanted to be loved. She just wanted to know that her life mattered and that she wasn't just an object to be used So at age around the age of 18 was her last suicide attempt. And it was so severe that she ended up in the hospital and thank God for the local church. There was, this happened in the state of Ohio. And I know these pastors, they're great people. And some of the people in the local church knew that she had had heard about the suicide attempt, that she was in the hospital. And they went to her and told her about mercy And as a result of that, she ended up applying to the program. She came in and experienced the power of forgiveness. She was able to, through a process of time, which is why we tell the girls, the average length of stay is six months, sometimes longer, depending on how long it takes to work through all the pain and get to the root causes of what's going on. She came in on medications, but by the time she left, she had fully committed her life to Christ. She had chosen to forgive her parents. By this time, her father and mother were both, uh, you know, had gotten some help with their issues. Her dad was out of prison. Her mom had gotten uh, off of drugs. And so she has not only forgiven, but been, been reconciled to both of, of her parents. And the church back home welcomed her back after mercy. And they, you know, she they actively surrounded her and continued to disciple her and support her and love her. And today she is leading worship. She's a songwriter. She is because we use all of Dave Ramsey's um, financial peace, university materials in every home. She has achieved financial stability for the first time in her life and supporting herself. And she is now work works at a group home for children with various disabilities. And she pours out love onto them with the same overflow of love that God's given her and her my favorite quote that she gave us for the this her story in the book was when i she said when i tell my story i feel like i'm describing a different person
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything yeah. about me has changed my heart was broken at one point but god created it to love and to be loved that's the life that i have now
0: wow that's such an amazing story and i just um just know that i mean that Mercy was able to, to be there and point her to who God created her to be. And it just breaks my heart. And I know that you have seen it too, that so many young women, a lot of the pain deals with um, sexual abuse from their past. Yes. Um, and I know in my teen mom support group, we've had people come in and, and talk about that and talk about healing and, um, you know, every one of them. In our meetings, even some of the leaders, um, most of the leaders have been sexually abused. And I was talking to young one young woman. She had her first baby when she was 15. And, you know, after we were talking about it, she says, you know, I never had a chance to say no. I never had a chance to, you know, we always say stay pure till marriage or, you know, don't be sexually active they had that stripped away from them. And so here comes a boyfriend and they they believe that that's what they need to give for love. Um, and I've seen it in so many young women, but to find that healing, to find that they are valued and that God loves them just for who they are, just makes a huge impact in these young women's lives.
1: Yes, it's, it sure does. I'm so glad that you guys are doing that awesome support group. It's so important. And the thing that's so great for these young women that come in that have a story like Porsche's what we've experienced and seen is that they learn uh, uh, you know we we don't believe in reinventing the wheel so obviously I don't know anybody better than Dr. John Townsend and Dr. Henry Cloud mm-hmm. to talk about boundaries yeah and they've also written a book about safe people and they have group materials and we use all of those in all of our homes and we teach the girls that they have a right to uh, to have boundaries and have those boundaries boundaries be respected. They learn that forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to reconcile to the your abuser, Actually, it, and that, that actually it would be unsafe for you to do so. And that it doesn't mean that you're saying what happened to you is okay. But what it means is that you're obeying what God says, if you want me to forgive you, you must forgive others. And we have to help the girls that have been abused, and I'm sure you do too, understand that John 10:10 says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, "I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly." And then Psalm 119 says, "God is good and God does good." So the girls, any young woman that's been abused, probably would ask the question, "If God loves me, why would He let this happen to me?" Mm -hmm. So we have to, like, I call John 10:10 a dividing scripture, but we have to help the girls understand anything on the equation of kill, steal, and destroy. Is not from God, and that it was it was never God's will for someone uh, to use you and abuse you and bring pain to you. And He actually sent Jesus to die on the cross so that He could bear the pain and penalty and sorrow and grief of all that would happen to us. His heart was broken so that ours could be healed, and that the reason Jesus came was so that you could experience restoration in your life. And when they understand that God. You know, because most of the girls have been angry at God. And when they understand God is not the author of their pain, he came to redeem and heal and restore so that they could have an abundant life. Then they get angry at the right source, which is the enemy that tried to destroy their lives. And and they and then oh, so many of these girls, man, they're out there speaking, giving their testimony, telling their story so that other young women uh, know that if God can change her life, he can change my life too. And a lot of the girls I speak to end up applying to Mercy and, and getting the help they need. And they just figure, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to destroy the one that almost destroyed me. Yeah, and, and cool. I, it,
0: I think it is cool. And I think it does do that in that impact, what it, I've seen from some of our young women, when they can go – and they find healing and then they turn to other people to help them. They are passionate about pulling Ooh. other people in and giving them encouragement and giving them hope because they know the difference that it's made in their own lives. And I think that is that is to show you know the ripple effect of what God can do. He not only transforms us, but he gives us the desire to reach out and, and help other people where we have been.
1: He sure does. And, you know, one of the things that I love, too, is we teach these young women, you know, to fully commit to God. So that means, you know, you, you, first of all, you need to know that when you're, once you're forgiven, that God doesn't see you as he lifts the shame and guilt and condemnation off of you, but he also sees you pure and clean and spotless. So, so we tell them spiritually speaking, you could, you can be standing next to a young woman your same age who's a virgin. And when God looks at you, he sees you just as pure and clean and holy as the girl standing next to you. And that as far as God's concerned, this is a new beginning. And because you've committed your life to him, he wants you to commit. He wants you to love and respect yourself and, and, and make up your mind that you're not going to be used again, but that you're going to commit yourself that, you know, sex is something that God created. It's supposed to be enjoyed inside of a marriage relationship. And the girls, we explained the whole covenant with God thing and, and how two people it's it's meant to to cause them to be bound together for life and and our girls are embracing that and they're just like experiencing so much freedom with the revelation of hey god sees me as a virgin again.
0: Yeah, that is so beautiful. I would love to hear what kind of walk me through what girls experience when they come in um to the home and and kind of the program and how you help them um, find their you know their true worth and and kind of just take away those lies and that pain that we can't always take away the pain but the lies from the past
1: right and then God yeah I, I know we can't take away the pain but boy God sure can I know you yes. see that in your work as well but one one of the things that we we have always believed for all of our facilities is, is that they should be beautiful. They should be excellent, first class. You can't tell a young woman, you're valuable, you're precious, you're loved, you're a daughter of the king, and then have her sleeping in a broken bed and in a house with broken windows. So right. we make it our business to, the Each home is extremely beautiful. If anybody wants to see, our website is mercymultiplied.com, and we have pictures from inside the home and pictures of the outside of the buildings. But anyway... You know, we've had girls literally walk through the doors their first day checking in with whatever belongings they have and literally start weeping and because they can't believe that that God has provided such a beautiful place for them to stay in. So the yeah. first thing we want them to experience is that we value them as an individual and we have prepared this beautiful place for you. God loves you. He wants to meet you right where you are. They, we want to not only say, but let them experience from us the unconditional love of Christ, that we are not, you know, looking at them according to what their issues are, or what they, bad choices may have happened, they may have made, or, or maybe some things that have been done to them. But but they're here so that God can restore and heal and and, you know, do what only God can do in their hearts and lives. And so that's the kind of environment we, they're, you know, they come in and, and, and they give up their cell phones. It's a supervised uh, 24 seven supervised atmosphere, but we make it fun. You know, we, we love, you know, we'll do movie night and watch movies like war room. My friend Priscilla Shire, what a great movie. Yeah. So we, we show them all the Christian movies, but we have praise and worship every day. We have teaching every morning, every night. They have master's and doctorate level counselors who counsel not according to their degrees, but according to the word of God. And they are extremely gifted and talented to do so, these counselors that we have. And we just have a great staff in each of the homes. and And we're all, you know, we're in unity with our message. And that message is, that no matter what you've done, God will forgive you. And he is able to see, he said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. I'm able to say to the uttermost, there's nothing too hard for God. And that means your issues are not too hard for God. And we we start by trying to bring them into a person, not a religion, but a personal relationship right. with Christ and, and, and fully commit to him. Not one foot in and one foot out, but make a total commitment. And then we begin to help them uh, renew their minds to the word of God. And what we and by doing that, we tell them you need to write down all the lies because most of the girls believe I'm trash. I'm not worth loving. I'm dirty. Write down every lie you can think of. And their counselors work with them with this. Write down every lie you can think of that you believe about yourself. And then we're going to help you find a chorus responding truth so that you have a truth statement that you can replace that lie with. And we teach them to speak those t- truth statements out loud over their own life. And it's just so powerful when, when that happens. So renewing the mind, replacing lies with truth, helping, helping them understand that no matter what has happened previously in your family bloodline, that when you receive Jesus Christ, you've entered into the bloodline of Christ And through the power of your choice, you can start rather than generational patterns or generational curses that you can start. The curse is broken in Christ. You can start a generation of blessing going forward. And it's just so liberating when they actually get a hold of that.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's and it's so beautiful, too. And, you know, when we've gone on mission trips before, the three steps that we always teach um, the, the teens that are going with us is, first of all, before anyone's going to even seek Christ, they have to trust you. They have to trust Christians. And then, you know, that step, that's step step one, trust Christians. Two, they become curious about Jesus. And step three is then they actually start seeking Christ. And just by having that beautiful home, having a safe place and loving people, um, that is the first step, you know, getting them to trust you. And then you're presenting the gospel, you know, and I'm sure to some, this is so new to them, um, something they've never heard before, something they've never realized before. And then they start becoming cu- curious about Jesus, and then they can start seeking him um, on their own. And it's, I love that you have that set up where it is a safe, healthy, loving place. It's pointing to Christ. And um, I just know it's it's something that most of them have not
1: experienced in their everyday life before. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And it's just a beautiful thing. And, you know, we know that the word says that it is God who works in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. And and God's word is light. And we know that light pushes out the darkness. So, you know, as they receive the word of God into their life, as they choose to embrace the word and even understanding, like a lot of the girls have abused their bodies horribly through drugs, through eating disorders, through self-harm. And we take them to Romans 12, 1, where it says, hey, part of full, total commitment to Christ is to committing your body to Christ. Your body is meant to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place that Jesus can live in. And God wants you to love and respect yourself. And, if, and it says in Romans 12, present your bodies to God a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, and that God does not want you to harm your body. So no more abuse to your own self through your own self-hate or whatever it is that's going on. And then the second verse is, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the whole time they're at mercy, whether it's six months, for girls that have been sex trafficked, it's usually longer than six months because of all the layers of trauma but anyway, uh-huh. you, we see God doing what only God can do. And it is phenomenal watching that transformation take place. And for those that are out there listening, that, we, we equip them with the tools and, that they need and the knowledge of God's word and the revelation of God's word while they're at mercy and basically give them a spiritual toolbox that they can use once they leave mercy. Uh, They understand things like it's not resist the devil and he will flee from you. They understand that you have to fulfill the the first part of that verse, which is, first of all, you submit yourself to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. So the importance of staying submitted to him. And, you know, they just it's so great. And so once they leave. Just because God did a work in them at mercy doesn't mean he's not going to continue that go- good work. And here I am, 36 years, founder of a ministry that's transforming lives. And I can promise you, Tricia, that to this day, I mean, I hope to be a, a, a stronger, uh, better person and believer, more rooted and grounded in Christ a week from today than I am on this day.
0: Yeah. And I think that happens, too, as we are you know, pouring out. I mean, Christ is pouring out through us and we get the residual effects of that yes. inside us. We just see him um, transforming and as he's pouring through us, we are changed. And I've, I found that so much to be true. We just learn to love him and trust him more. And, um, and we get to experience that and which is just
1: amazing. Yes, it is.
0: Now I have one more question. Um, you know, I, I, first of all, you know, before we end, I definitely want to ask how we can help um, Mercy. But even now, there are, you know, every listener has someone in their life that they that needs help and needs hope. Maybe it's a young woman. Um, maybe you know, like me, when we first started going to the inner city here in Little Rock. Um, I was just so overwhelmed by all the needs. And so maybe it's someone like that, but maybe it's a young woman in a suburban location that looks like she has, you know, everything, but really is just hurting inside. So what encouragement could you have for all of us just to reach out um, and, and how to reach the young women that God has placed in our lives?
1: Well, I love the fact that you brought up the suburban chicks that look like they have it all together because I actually on purpose planted a story of a girl like that in this new book, Treatment Versus Transformation, because she grew up in a Christian family. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, girls can hide behind that and kind of hide the fact that they're hurting, like you say. So I think, you know, what I would say to everyone out there is having a sensitivity toward all people. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside that matters. And this young girl, she, she was just she grew up in a Christian home. She was a very joyful, free spirited child and was went to church and, you know, followed her parents rules and regulations. But, you know, she started feeling kind of controlled in her teenage years and rebelled against that. Wasn't really I don't think that true, but she just I know I rebelled against my parents rules when I was a teenager. So I think that's kind of common. Right. But she started partying in high school, and then she went off to college and and started drinking heavily, became addicted to alcohol, got raped at a, a, a party one night in college, and it just totally threw her into a tailspin of self-destructive lifestyle, of promiscuity, alcohol, and then she developed a severe eating disorder. And her family, because they loved her so much, and they could see that she got down to like 70 pounds and she's, she's a tall girl too. So her family did an intervention on her and she entered our program in 2011. She went through the California home, even though she's from Nashville, but she needed to get out of Nashville. So she went into the Sacramento home and God just did a tremendous work in her life. She was able to graduate from the program in five months and she came back to Nashville, uh, God totally healed and restored, you know, her life with her family. And, uh, she regained her parents' trust. She went on and finished college, uh, met a young man, was happily married. Uh, she applied for a position at Dave Ramsey, uh, Ramsey Solutions, our friend Dave Ramsey. And, you know, they don't, even though Dave and I are close friends, he doesn't hire somebody just because they're a Mercy grad. They have to right. They go through a, a, a interview. Like t- His interview process is like none I've ever seen. They have to go be interviewed 10 times. They have to go through 10 steps to get all the way to where they can be hired. So oh, wow. In, so in 2014, she entered an entry-level sales position. And as of 2018, she is now serving got several promotions and she's now serving as an assistant to the senior director of sales. So she is happily married. She has this great career. The people that, uh, at, uh, that work for Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey himself have just talked about what a great girl she is, how much they love her. And, um, It's just so awesome to see the work that God's done in her life. So for people that are out there and you think, well, she's from a good family and she's never had any issues and blah, 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 blah. There's issues in every family. I don't care how good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if we know a young woman in our life, maybe give us one thing that we can just take away of how we can reach out and support her today.
1: I would just say to, you know, communication, lines are, you know, lines of communication are very important. If there's someone that, you know, may need help, it depends on the situation, really, but just unconditional love is always a key. Unconditional love and unconditional acceptance, but also a care and concern to say, hey, you know, like, like if there's something in each person's life that they can use. For example, I had an eating disorder. So if I'm reaching out, for example, to a girl that I know has an eating disorder, I will share, you know, you probably will be surprised to hear this about me since I started Mercy 36 years ago. But when I was a teenager, I had an eating disorder. And back then it wasn't even talked about. And then I just start sharing things. So, you know, kind of finding a connection place mm-hmm. and and trying to open up like a a, a point of maybe relating. Because sometimes people in the younger generation don't think they can relate to older people, or maybe you would have no idea about what I'm going through, but but I believe that if we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that God will show us how we can reach out and connect depending on the individual and their situation.
0: Absolutely. And I think it you know starts to, you, know, you talk about God will show us how to um, connect. It's just pausing and saying, Lord, help me here. Or, you know, and, and it is, it's, we, we live busy lives and it is taking the time to step toward that young person, even though they may seem like they're not interested at all. Um, you know, invite them to lunch or coffee. And, you know, if, even if it is an hour of chit chat before it gets to the hard issue, I think taking that time and like you said, communicating and reaching out. And then I also love how you said sharing your own um, struggles and faults and and things that you've had to overcome with. God's help, because so many times, you know, it sometimes looks like we have our act together. Um, you know, I was a teen mom. I had my son when I was 17. And, you know, I'm writing and speaking and doing all these things now. But I was, you know, dropped out of high school and depressed and wow. all, you know, and just sharing my story. I think, you know, when we share and you talk about your eating disorder, when we share our weaknesses and how God helped us, it does give us that point where, you know, we, it, we could, not have our act together. And it's okay, because we have God. And so I think that really helps young people.
1: That is so true. I love that your story is powerful, girl.
0: Mm. And what you've well, done
1: with your life as a result is it's just phenomenal.
0: Yeah. What God's done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm along for the ride.
1: Yeah. Well, you, yeah, God has done it, but you've had to allow him to, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love to hear just how, um, listeners can support what you're doing and you know, whether, well, we of course go by the book, be encouraged with that, but what are some other ways that we can support Mercy Multiplied?
1: Well, um, Back to the book, it's a faith-building book, and it will build faith in every person's heart who reads it that there's no such thing as a hopeless case.
0: in mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: But as far as support, uh, it, first of all, if there's young women out there between the ages of 13 to 32, we take girls from all 50 states. And since you work with, uh, uh, you know, you're connected to the uh, crisis pregnancy centers or in different places, we love taking providing a practical way that a young girl facing an unplanned pre- pregnancy can choose life. And lots of times families are equipped to deal with that. And the girl, young girl doesn't need to go anywhere. But for young girls who do, we've had hundreds of young girls come to us over the years facing unplanned pregnancy. And we, we, we take care of them free of charge. We're willing to pay airline tickets for them to get to us if they need us to. And all of our services are free of charge. And we if they want a parent, we'll help prepare them to be the best best parent they can possibly be. If they want a place for adoption, we have a licensed adoption agency. And we deal with all the other issues I mentioned as well, the sexual abuse, eating disorders, sex trafficking, addictions, girls who are struggling with depression and suicidal ideation, whatever. Whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And so if, if there are girls out there and you're struggling with these things, don't wait until it gets out of control, right? But but call and let's let's nip it in the bud. Come in and let's get it taken care of on the front end. And so you can you can find out more about us, uh, how to get into the program. People that are listening want to help support. We have monthly partners. We have people who give annual gifts. But all of that's available. All of the information is available on our website. It is mercy multiplied. Dot com that's mercy multiply dot com
0: yes i'm looking right now and you know there's general donation sponsor a girl give monthly um run for mercy i mean there's so many wonderful things that you're doing and in the end you know all these steps are steps to really um just helping young women know how much they are loved and how much god wants to be there and transform their lives and Um, It's just a wonderful thing you're doing, and I just appreciate you, and um, I appreciate you being here today, and we will put all the links to everything we talked about in the show notes, but Nancy, um, thank you so much for just, first of all, taking that step of faith and then continuing to share this message of what God can do through transformation.
1: Thank you, Tricia. It's been an honor to be with you. I just respect you so much and pray that God will continue to use you and bless you in every way. Thank you. I I know
0: that He will, and um, as we continue to turn to Him. I just love hearing from Nancy today, just hearing her heart, just hearing how when she connects with these young moms, when they enter into her home, um, the, the hope that they give these young moms is Jesus is the answer. Jesus can transform you. Jesus can change everything. And so many times when it comes to helping people, it is easy to, you know, give diapers, give clothes, um, you know, help support people. But the truth that they need the most is that it's all about Jesus. That's why we love. That's why we um, pour out ourselves. That's why we encourage other people because of how Jesus has transformed us. Um, the Walk It Out scripture today is Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love how Nancy shared about how God asked her to um, move to Louisiana and to um, just take a step of faith. And how God has rewarded her hasn't been, you know, all of a sudden she has living in a mansion and driving a Mercedes, but. She has this testimony of all these young women who hear, who heard God's truth, who were changed and transformed. And their stories um, are just connected with her stories. This is her inheritance. This is what she has done for God. And he exists. I think so many times when we talk about walking it out the first thing we need to do is just remember God exists. God is not going to leave us hanging if we have something on our heart that it's something that we know is from Him. I mean, reaching out and sharing the love of Christ and um, ministering and opening opening our homes and our hands and our hearts to young women that is from Christ. If we know it's from Him, we need to take those steps of faith. Again, Hebrews 11 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek him. And, um, Nancy has shared about her reward today. She has shared about what God has done. And as God has worked through her, she has experienced him in amazing ways. And I can say the same thing, working with the teen moms, helping start a crisis pregnancy center. Yes. I was pouring out and the support was going to other people, but it was God flowing through me. And I had the residual effect of God, of God in me and out of me and through me as I took those steps of faith. So let me pray for you. Lauren. I thank you so much that um, we have a compassion and a heart for others and that you will give us the tools, the help, the ability when we step out in faith. Lord, I thank you that, um, you know, if we had all those things lined up already, then it wouldn't take faith. But as we step out, we see you, we experience you. I mean, what good would it be if we just did these things and didn't have you be a part of it? I'm so thankful that you're there, right there with us, and that lives are transformed. I've seen lives transformed. Nancy's seen lives transformed. And I pray that you will use each listener today to see more lives transformed. For you and for your glory. May you just stir up something in each listener today, whether it is reaching out to a young mom, a teenager, maybe there's a teenager in our own home, that you will just stir our hearts that we may just glorify you today and serve those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I am so excited about um, what Nancy's doing, and I am excited that she is sharing her words and sharing her story, um, actually sitting down, and she got those stories into a book, Um, and the link to that book and all the other information about Mercy Multiplied is in there. But if you've ever thought about writing a book, I want to help you. Um, I have a seven-day writer's challenge. If you just go to trishagoyer.com, you're going to see a pop-up there, or you look in the show notes. And for seven days, if you put in your email address, I will send you an assignment with a video. You're going to see my face talking to you um, and just encouraging you to get your stories on paper. And maybe your story is to be published. Maybe your story is for your child. Maybe your story is something that you need to share. Um, in your community, to your Sunday school group, with your friend. Our short stories matter and getting them on the paper make a difference. And when they're on paper, then we can spread them and share them around the world. It's amazing to me when I write from my heart and I will get um, on Facebook or through my website or through books, see that those words are going out in the world. I mean, who would have thought I was that 17 year old pregnant teen girl dropped out of high school and I dared to go to my first writer's conference when I was 22 years old. And now I have my books. I think last last time I counted it was translated into 13 languages. Um, they're bestsellers in the Netherlands, which is like pretty exciting. <laughs> but uh, I can't even speak those languages. But God has used my words. And I know that if you have something stirring in you that you're like, oh, my goodness, I would love to do that. Know that it is there because God put it there. Um, we don't have a desire to write our stories unless that desire is from God. He wants us to share our messages. So I just hope that you will be encouraged today. Check out that seven day writer's challenge and be encouraged. And then also, um, I want to share that there is also the sale or the special price through YWAM publishing for their Christian heroes then and now, both the audiobooks and the paperback books, you can get a special deal. Um, And again, you could just go to the show notes and you can find out more about that. Share a missionary story again, all about transforming lives with your family today. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to walk it out. I pray that you will be encouraged and I just love hearing from your heart and Uh, knowing that it is making a difference. So if you ever want to connect with me, if you have a guest idea, if you just want to share something that maybe you heard on this broadcast that really made a difference, just email me at hello at trishagoyer.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope that you will be encouraged. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.